would like us to make enough money to buy Georgia a soundboard for Christmas. That would I would too. I, no, we just need, you know, when you go on your grand adventure up to Montreal, I want you to go teach her how to use Audio Hijack so she can plug it into it. And no, then... we've got to give her like a mix board for her Tron soundcasting studio. I want it to be, I want to roll in something like DJ Hero, like mix tables where it's like, you know, like... <laughs> Because we're so good at rapping. Well, I mean, well, and mixing and DJing and all manner of. There we go. I'm ready. That's, that's like the most overblown clipping version of yeah, the please. Mario coin. Is that horrible? Never do that again? It sounded really staticky and like. Georgia, it might that be sound will make your me mic. hate Mario. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, my God, no. Don't do that. You're going to listen back that to that later? No. Yeah. No. Bruce, did you ask to hear that again? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, oh man, that's so beautiful. Oh that my god, terrible. I love it. That is that is what Mario sounds like in hell. Is what that sounds like. <laughs> it's horrible. like even the chat room's going. That's horrible. That's what that is. <laughs> oh my god. I believe in your sound effects, Georgia. Thank even you. Even when they don't. Even when they don't. I don't. I do <laughs> not believe you. in Georgia's sound effects. I reluctantly acknowledge their existence. No, I don't I even don't. do that. I'm not acknowledging that they exist. I, that okay, was, okay. That was like a time warp, a Doctor Who time warp that just happened, and All I'm right. not acknowledging it. Timey wimey. Hi there, welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with a head of development at Giant Space Capriano Wu. How you doing, Bree? What's crackalacking? <laughs> you, you in a hurry? hurry? <laughs> <laughs> you in a hurry? Do you have someplace to go? Like, I just I tried to move the show along. We've got so much awesome show to get to this week. Oh, no. Yeah. no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Georgia, boy. I've been waiting to hear that for so long. Give it to me again. It's like this overblown Mario. Don't have to ask me twice. Oh, my God. I bought a new pair of headphones this week for this show. It's a very nice pair of headphones, and I'm really unhappy that I purchased them. I'm sorry that those are no longer working, Maddie. They... Are they were a waste of money? Uh, we, oh, speaking of which, well, we have assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How? You, well, I guess I won't ask now because we know that you're. you're I'm very clearly unhappy. doing terribly, but these are some pretty sweet headphones. So I, I can hear every reverberant, staticky beat of that Mario coin. Every every last static. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna trade in all of my Nintendo gear by the end of the episode if Georgia keeps that up. Like that's gonna be I'm no really. More, oh wow, yes. this is how we this is how we eliminate your Nintendo fandom from the inside out. Wow, I, I think I think this might break me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's on. So we also have senior editor from iWar.com and uh, bastardizer of the Mario sound, Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? <laughs> oh God. Oh! It's so loud. It's so I love it. Are I you going to edit it. down how loud it is? Is no. it just that my headphones I, are too good now anything. and I can't not hear how loud that is? No, I, I don't think it's so much loud. I think it's just piercing and evil is right. really like all me. it is. That's like me. <laughs> Striking deep into my heart. No, George, I love your laugh. That, that Mario coin is the opposite of your voice and laugh. <laughs> I have to say that I had the most exciting time last weekend. Oh, yeah! Because that seems like forever ago. Like that it was does. just like that was just like last Friday, and that feels like it was like a year ago that you were down here. 
Yeah, because I got to drive down and actually meet in person. Because everyone thinks that we're we like know each other. And we've met uh, like for years. Like everyone's shocked when I'm like, no, it's been like five months. They're like, no, I don't understand that you got. It's like you've been friends for like ever. And so I got the first time to get to actually meet Maddie, Steve, and Bree. And Maddie, actually, uh, I have to say thank you to you for um, sticking around and being there. So I got to actually meet you all in person. I was overly excited like the entire time in the car I'm usually an excitable person but I was just uh, uh, you know one of those neurotic dogs that just couldn't find like was pacing and, and like going around and like chewing at things just because I had all that nervous energy I was so Aww. excited I was so excited you guys are actually better in person <laughs> Wow! really which who can say that about many there's very few things that it's actually better in person right like the mcdonald's like the hamburgers and stuff like they're not better in person they're we better, are better the than mcdonald's hamburgers that's a good endorsement <laughs> wow high bar but we cleared it <laughs> it we also it kicked was... steve's butt at pool after maddie oh wait yeah no, i had other there. plans but i had there. to cancel no. to see georgia so, so george and i defeated all yeah. the guys at pool all the guys it was really sweet and it was beautiful and <laughs> oh it was so good it was, so, it was good. so good we had danielle who is our secret weapon and yeah it was just it was great it was amazing glenn it was, was there amazing. we had glenn, like we yeah. just yeah glenn was the, there our our boys were there like it was we just it was so much fun like I, you know, and Georgia got to drink games. involuntary sake, which was even better. So. I, I yeah, like sake, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we part. had hibachi, which you know means. See, I was sake very happens. curious what Georgia's counterpart was going to be like because you know it's like Frank. You can look at Frank and Brianna and go, okay, they belong together. And you can look at Steve and Maureen and go, okay, they belong together. And you can look at Maddie and what's his name, <laughs> <laughs> Maddie and her interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what's his name? Um, but no, I like your husband. He's, he seems he seems like he seems like a worthy counterpart to you. <laughs> he seems like he's the R two D two to your C three P F. Oh, oh, that is the sweetest thing. Well, he he adored you all. He really did. He was like he's like I don't know. The funniest thing that he said. He's like like he's driving he's driving up with me and we're we're talking all about it. And he's like it's really strange for me because I feel like I know everyone there already <laughs> because he listens to the show and he's like but they don't know me so it's like strange because I don't want to like interact like I know everyone and he did a good job because he didn't act like he knew who I was yeah. at all so I was fooled I was fooled until this moment he also took some really nice photos of us that yeah. we can use uh, somewhere that Georgia keeps, yes. keeps promising to give us and, and doesn't I tweeted one out which was really really pretty but oh. most of the yeah it was a, the, the, such a nice shot of us it's like we're just it's adorable really. we're all glowing <laughs> yeah, because we are glowing. all finally hanging out yes. yeah yeah so that was that was really just a, an absolute highlight so yeah pretty cool yeah. So, should we talk about video games? You think? Let's, Let's do, do this. Okay. It was a this was a pretty interesting week for mm-hmm. uh, Assassin's Creed, our favorite our favorite game of the uh, of the fall <laughs> release schedule, uh, which we talked about at length when it was released at E3 and and since, and uh, they didn't have such a great uh, such a great launch. Uh, apparently. It was kind of a technical mess when they released, even on the consoles. There were there were problems on the PC, which was the same that that happened with Watch Dogs when they came out. But and that that kind of happens on PC. But even on the consoles, apparently there were reports of extremely low frame rates and issues with the servers, like we talked about last week. And and I've been seeing a number of 
screenshots on Twitter of people with, I guess the the textures for the faces are missing. Yeah. So you just see like these eyeballs that are popping out and like these green alien faces, like something out of V. Yeah. <laughs> there are these terrifying screenshots of glitches in Assassin's Creed, like just bodies collapsed in a heap of pixels and faces missing. It looks like experimental art and it's terrifying and beautiful. And I, have you seen these, Brianna? Yeah, I was like, they finally started innovating in the Assassin's Creed series. This is great. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is new. This is Silent Hill Assassin's Creed. I'm on board with this. I looked at some of these and there are some beautiful costumes in Assassin's Creed as 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 there have been in prior Assassin's Creed games. There are these beautifully rendered cravats and jackets and then that's juxtaposed with this horrifying <laughs> fleshy face with eyes just sticking out of it like this terror picasso (laughs) painting and i was like what are these paintings that everybody's tweeting about what are these bizarre paintings it is assassin's creed is the answer i thought that there was some experimental artist (laughs) that everybody was obsessed with nope nope it's assassin's creed that's so funny because i thought the same thing yeah i was like what is this why am i getting because i i check twitter (laughs) randomly throughout the day and I've been kind of sick so I've been off for a while and then I, I'm like just trying to scroll through and I'm like why is this weirdness on what and I'm like I'm too sick to like re- I don't know this is strange and scary <laughs> just scroll through <laughs> scroll to the top just forget about it don't even try but no it was an Assassin's Creed yeah there was one that I saw that was accompanied with the caption well I guess they were right and they really couldn't animate women yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much they really couldn't do it. <laughs> so, but that was, I mean, the technical piece is kind of, uh, it's almost par for the course at this point. But the the real controversy revolved around the reviews because, uh, and, and Maddie, I guess you can talk to the, the, you know, kind of the business piece behind this. But the reviews, as as is kind of standard with uh, with game reviews nowadays, they were embargoed. So all the reviews could not drop before a certain time. And normally that time is a day before the game launches or midnight of the day the day launch or sometimes a week before in case of some of the Nintendo games that have released. And for Assassin's Creed, the embargo was noon after the game had launched. Mm-hmm. So this game comes out, which, I, I mean... On the PC, you can kind of excuse this stuff. On a PS4 and Xbox One, there's no way that they didn't know that they were having these kinds of technical issues when they released because it's 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 only one platform and they must have seen it. And so with the technical issues and the fact that all these reviews were not allowed to drop until after the game had already been released and people had bought it at midnight launches or, or had them start downloading to their consoles, a number of review outlets, including Polygon and Kotaku, started crying foul, saying that the, the editorial that Ben Kachera put out actually used the term weaponizing review embargoes. And <laughs> Oh, Ben Kachera. Yeah, <laughs> so... The thing about review embargoes is that they're really a courtesy. It's not like you're going to... There's no legal implication here. Like, if if somebody gives me a game and they're like, I'd really prefer that you not write anything about the game until this date, I can break that. And nothing will happen to me except that that developer will no longer want to send me their game. They won't want to work with me anymore as a reviewer. But but there's no 
other kind of action that they could take besides that, that I know of. So essentially, Stephen Totillo wrote this great thing on Kotaku, I thought, about how they were just going to choose to disregard this noon request and that they were going to put up the review when the game came out as opposed to waiting until noon on that day because they felt like that's being very tricky, right? I mean, I've never even heard of something like this before. Like, you're, they were clearly trying to get people to go ahead and buy the game before seeing any reviews. And you, once the game's out, it's out. You can't, you can't just hope that people won't find out that it's not very good, right? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's it's that the the nefariousness of them trying like knowing that a game is already probably not going to get great reviews. Yeah, and just like try to delay the inevitable and just yeah. be like, oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the sad part is that it really grabs like parasitizing your hardcore fans by doing mm-hmm. that, and it just seems so wrong to get the people that are most keen and that care about you the most, and you're just like, oh, just give me your money, like. Give it to me anyways before, you know, you find out how horrible this game is. And it's sad because it it kind of gets rid of that fun feeling of wanting to get a game immediately. And and it makes me think twice. Like, it just makes me think, ah, you know what, I'm going to wait until I hear about it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll I'll be curious about whether the fact that Kotaku made this decision and, and I guess some other publishers made this decision will affect their relationship in the future with this developer. But our publisher in this case, a really big publisher. So I, I don't think it will because they rather cleverly made it very public. And so now readers can sort of push back against the publisher as well and be like, hey, why are you pulling this shady deal? But ordinarily, things like this happen behind closed doors and reviewers mm-hmm. just kind of have to make these negotiations and nobody really sees what happens. And I mean... When I'm reviewing these games, most of the time it comes with a big packet of information that they don't want me to reveal. Even in the review, even after the game's out, there'll be spoilers that they don't want me to write about. And again, all these things are courtesy. I could do whatever Mm -hmm. I wanted. But Mm -hmm. it is part of the respect between me because I and the developer because they have given me a free game. So, But even that, I mean, obviously these are arguments that people have had about process of reviewing games for years like whether that's ethical and how far is too far and you know a lot of times I get these packets and I just kind of skim over them and I'm like I'm gonna write what I want and I've never really had any problems but I also don't write for publications that are as highly visible and that's on purpose in part because I don't like having to worry about being flown out to these very fancy events and whatnot. I I tend to work for more independent publications where we are begging to get our review copies and maybe we <laughs> don't even get them. That happens a lot at Paste. Like our Assassin's Creed Unity review is going up tomorrow because we didn't get our copy at the same time Ooh. that everybody else did. But that's fine. I mean, sure. you know, we do what we can and that's okay. I was gonna. I wanted to ask you because I think that the timing of this also, now that everyone's talking about, you know, women in games and ethics in journalism, like I think that if this had happened, wait, in Europe, wait, who's talking about ethics in journalism? <laughs> I think we no are. No one. No one. <laughs> okay. Absolutely okay. not us. I, I've I mean, heard not that... a lot of people going after my friends, but I've heard anything about ethics in journalism lately. Do you think that if this had yeah. happened a year ago, Bree, that this would have not been noticed? 
And now that people are looking at things, this is why, like, Ubisoft just, like, really picked a poor time to try to pull a fast one. I have to admit, when I read Ben Kachira's, um, you know, op-ed, I'm like, and, and Maddie, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm like, hasn't this been going on for years? Like, yeah. Isn't this what the industry yeah, yeah, yeah. always does? Because... Mm-hmm. I would say this is really pushing it to the limit. I... I again, I could be wrong, but I can't think of another scenario wherein I have been instructed by a publisher to not publish my review until several hours after the game is out and available for purchase. Yeah. That is unusual. This is egregious. If I mean, it has is, happened yeah. before, it is a rare case that I've not heard of. Okay. I don't I don't want to say this is the first time, but it it's the first I've heard of. I'd actually like to take a step back in a few minutes and kind of talk about why AC Unity you know, came to this point. But I don't mind telling you, at Giant Space Cat, um, we have a list of people in the press that are officially blackballed. And it's nothing that we make public, but it's people that we've tried to work with and they've printed things with crazy factual errors or... Um, you know, we've just found them unprofessional in the course of working at them through, you know, PAX East or, or, or an event like that. So, you know, I I do want to stand up and say, if you are publishing a game, you I think it is reasonable to look at different press outlets, look at what their coverage is, and to ask yourself, is giving my game to these people going to be beneficial? Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So because especially especially like anyone at like Paste or or Polygon or IGN or Kotaku, like that's a certain level of professionalism. You know, yeah, I just want to be clear, like I've never found anyone at a level like that that I couldn't work with, but there are a lot of people out there that just you know, especially because my, my company has some political heat on it. You know, I've had Gamergate <laughs> reviewing Revolution 60 this week, which has been a lot of fun to watch that. So I, I don't know. I, I do think it's the publisher's right to kind of push this, you know, if they want to. I mean, obviously, they knew their game wasn't very good, and they shipped it anyway. And I I don't know. I mean, to a certain point, don't they have a responsibility to their shareholders to try to get it to be as you know, positive as they possibly can. I mean, you would think so, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing that really out of all of this, I mean, the embargo thing is just kind of like a cherry on top. Yeah. For for me, just, you know, as, I mean, I'm not buying this game, but you know, as someone who potentially could be buying this game, like it's not even so much that this, that the embargo, the reviews, but we've seen so many games get pushed into 2015. Mm-hmm. And we so obviously something's going on where the, where this these platforms are more difficult to develop for than than the developers expected. And and I want to be clear when we're you know poking fun. I don't think any of us is poking fun at the developer because nobody wants to put out a game that doesn't work. And right. it's not their choice. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not their choice when the game ships. It's up to the business people to make that decision. And the business people had to know that this game was not in a state, even like a month ago, they probably knew that this game was not going to be in a state to ship and they chose to ship it anyway. And it seems like, I mean, their stock tanked like 12% on, on this news. Mm. And now they're in like full on damage control mode um, to the point where they're putting up a blog where they're addressing all the bugs. They're announcing a patch where they're, that'll fix some issues like the main character falling through the floor, apparently. 
But I mean, even when they're doing that, though, they seem disingenuous because they're saying that, you know, they're blaming it on online elements. And it's like people's faces disappearing is not because your server isn't working. So I I don't I mean, it just seems like it's a feature, Steve. It's a feature. (laughs) Yeah, that would be an awesome mod. I mean, it looks cool. So I feel like maybe we should just embrace it. (laughs) I I have to tell you guys, like if you work in 3D, like I look at this, I'm like, oh, they got the normal map reversed on the face. Like that's that's all I see. Like this is what 3D looks like as you're assembling it. But I'm not supposed to ever see that. Is, well, of course not. You're you're precious, Steve. We can't. Yeah, you're too precious for that. Yeah, I have delicate sensibilities, and I can't be seeing half-eaten faces. So i I want to talk about some insider baseball. I want to talk about some insider baseball because you know Ubisoft is not a charity. Ubisoft is you know a giant corporation that you know is part of an industry that has grown i think i saw a report this week to 7 billion dollars a year at this point so what i've heard through the grapevine about this game is across the board for ubisoft like shipping products is the tension is really really high and they're kind of making bigger and bigger gambles at this point, on fewer and fewer franchises, and they're they're pulling people off Team A to come work on Team B. Um, that's that's just what I'm heard. Uh, I'm just telling you what I've heard. So, as I understand it, as Ubisoft is kind of getting into higher and higher sequel numbers, they keep having these game design document meetings, and it's like, what's the twist? What's the twist? What's the twist? What can we recycle? What can we reuse? What can we we churn out for this game? Because the Assassin's Creed franchise at this point is, you know, it's an ongoing game operation that churns out a game just about every year at this point. So, you know, it it, it just seems to me that part of this this mecha operation going at this point that they clearly didn't have time to bug polish or fix all of these features. And I I kind of don't know how you solve it from this point because like if their stock is dropping 15 points, you know, due to this, then clearly they've got their pipeline not together. And, you know, when they're saying things like, we wanted to have a woman for the multiplayer, but we can't do it, uh, all of a sudden, that actually looks like a good engineering call, because it seems like they had higher priorities to get to. So, to me, um, I don't mind telling you, I've heard from different, I've heard from different people that the stakes were really, really high for Watch Dogs release. And if that game didn't do well, it was going to really, really hurt Ubisoft, because they, they spent a lot of money developing it. And I just kind of have to wonder what this means for Ubisoft as a studio from here. Sad. It's sad. I mean, I honestly, this is like what Steve said at the beginning of the topic, which is we I don't want to blame the developers because I know how many people work these jobs and I know how high the burnout rate is in games and I know how these people are treated and I hear about it and I'm like, the people who are suffering are not the CEOs who are making these decisions. It's everybody below them. And I I don't know. It makes me worry. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to do a bad job, you know? But isn't also the problem when you over-franchise something, like... Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's just that thing of people trying to, like, squeeze the lemon beyond, and, and they're just really diluting their own brand. So, like, unfortunately, like, the cost to coming out with a game before it's ready, even to a large company, probably Ubisoft is just going to be fine. Like, they can, they can probably, yeah, but like you know, the swallow small this time 
QA workers and yeah. the small the the gra- the graphics and so on. All those all those other departments, those people are going to be feeling that squeeze. Right, the people that had to work on it and were yeah. forced to meet deadlines that they weren't able to meet. You know, no one, everyone's going to try to to um, there's a lot of type A personalities that that are working in this field, and there are people that are going to try to give above and beyond what they can. But there's a time limit in in how much you can do and and test out if you have a certain deadline to meet. And it kind of you know the people that work on it, it's hard on them, and it destroys the Assassin's Creed brand itself. Probably Ubisoft is going to sail through it and be able to continue doing this until it actually starts to seriously financially hit them, because you know it can go down now you know, 15%, and then it can go back up, you know, and so it costs the money, but not in the long run in comparison. I think if there's ever been a motto for the Assassin's Creed series, it's squeeze the lemon beyond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's, I think I that's mean, perfect. But I actually have to take umbrage with what you just said, Georgia. Um, you know, I don't work at Ubisoft. I have friends that work at Ubisoft, but I, I just have to say I'm not... I, I, I'm not sure I agree with you that Ubisoft is going to be okay. Because let's let's take a step back and look at the big picture this year. So last year they released Black Flag, very mediocre game in this series, uh, according to many people. Um, so they have Watch Dogs that comes out early this year. A lot of people, myself included, it was financially successful. But I think a lot of people, myself included, felt it didn't really deliver the innovation. So what else do they have? They have Far Cry 4 coming out still. Far Cry 4 is coming Ooh. out. I can tell you I played Far Cry religiously. I, I love Far Cry. I don't agree with the criticisms of Far, Thry, Far Cry 3. I love that game. I can tell you this Far Cry looks worse than anyone I've seen before. Um, I hope I'm wrong because I love Far Cry. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the level of innovation that's here. So I I think it's hard to not look at Ubisoft and kind of go what's what's going on when you're not able to to deliver innovation like something is going on where that pipeline is too pressurized right isn't that kind of what happens though to many companies when they become I don't know if too big is the right word, but huge, right? Like Ubisoft has like, what is it? Like it says 29 studios in 19 countries. Yeah. Ubisoft, by the way, Montreal it, it has a really bad reputation. So I apologize to everyone for that. Mm-hmm. Um, not because there's a lot of wonderful people that work there, but it, it's just sometimes you become too large and you're going to take, like you, you start to be controlled by a conglomerate that just cares about their own bottom line. And, and so they're going to do whatever's the easiest. Yeah. When yeah. I think about where I want giant space cat to go, you know, my, my dream, like my goal is to keep the team double fine sized. Because it seems to me like Double Fine does have smaller creative jobs than it does, but it's ultimately a smaller team of like 20, 30 people working on that. You know, chairs a little bit smaller than they are, but I just, I would never want to grow to that size because I think like clearly when I talk to friends of mine that work there, they've grown past the point where people feel empowered to make a difference. And I wouldn't want to work mm-hmm. at, a, at a game studio where I wouldn't feel like I could change decisions I thought were hurting the product. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to stay small so you can take risks. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, I before all this started, I said I wasn't going to buy any more Assassin's Creed games until they got serious about including women, and this does very little to change that impression. So I'm going to continue boycotting it. I don't know how other people are going to feel. Well, didn't that Rogue game come out also? Is that Do I remember that has a, a woman protagonist, or am I making that up? What game? The, the last-gen game that came out the same day, Assassin's Creed Rogue. Am I, making I, up, I don't know anything about that. Am I making that. it up yeah. that, they, that that has a female protagonist? I don't remember. I feel like that got really buried because it yeah. came out at the same time. And I, I was and there were no review copies of that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a really strange choice. So that makes me worried that it's probably not good. I've never even heard of this. Heard, yeah, yeah, yeah. I pretty much only heard of Assassin's Creed Rogue like at the same time that people were yeah. dominating my Twitter with Unity. And I was like, uh, what? It's all dudes in the screenshot. And yeah. ooh, okay. ooh, five. Five yeah. out of ten. Not I, yeah, I learned about yeah. Assassin's Creed Rogue at the same time that I learned the term poop socking from the Wired review about this. I saw so. that too. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I'm not looking it up though. That. There's some things you no. No, 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 no. I got into a lot of trouble. Don't send it out on Twitter. Apparently it's it's when you get a review <laughs> copy and you eschew pretty much everything to get through it as quickly as possible, including oh. getting yourself up to go to the bathroom. Okay. 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 So, yeah. So I didn't really want to learn that. So that's what I learned about the same time as Assassin's Creed Rogue. So now those two things are are inextricably locked together in my mind. So Uh, we should take a break here and talk about Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform to make it fast and easy to make your own professional website. And uh, Squarespace has just come out with Squarespace 7, which is more all-in-one, more simpler to navigate and operate. Uh, It has Google Apps integration. It has Getty Images integration. So for $10 an image... You can go out to Getty Images and get the same images that the pros use and integrate them in your website. It has cover pages and new templates. Everything is just easier to use. And there are mobile apps, so all the Note and Blog apps work seamlessly from your computer to both both iOS and Android devices. And they've taken their developer platform out of beta. There's a lot of new space, new stuff to see over at Squarespace. If you go and for a free trial and 10% off, you can go to squarespace.com and use the offer code isometric. And that will get you 10% off of any purchase. And if you sign up for, for a year, you get a free domain name as well. Do we have anything new to talk about on, on Fandos.biz, which is our... We've got to update that. Yeah, I made a lot of money. I've so made sorry. a lot of money from Fandos.biz. I'm still making money all the time from it. It's crazy. Yeah. We, gotta, so. we, are going to, we are going to be putting up uh, stuff there for people to get for the holidays. So we got It's got to be very stupid to succeed, Georgia. It's, I, was, I, I okay. already have some ideas to it. Um, we'll, we'll go over it probably after the show, but I have okay. some like, crazy wild ideas and, and some I just think that'll be hilarious. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, just in case this is a hypothetical listener's first time listening to Isometric, oh. Fandos.biz is our Squarespace-created absurd fan shop and i realized that fandas.biz does not sound like the name of a real url it sounds like maybe a url that would pop up that you wouldn't want to open while you're looking at something on the internet that you shouldn't be looking at but it's a real site and it actually looks really good so yeah yeah, Yeah. you should check it out we've got the photoshop georgia contest entries up and we need to put up all the pictures of uh georgia photoshopped into america Right, on right. There as we well. have to put that so in. We'll get that so up. maybe those will be up by the time we'll make this... Georgia put those up herself, just for added uh, right. added imperialism. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. exactly. I so will, this looks I pretty cool. Uh, somebody changed the template since last I looked at this. Yeah, looks great. That was Georgia. I didn't do it. George is the Squarespace <laughs> master of the show. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. it it's uh, it's a lot of fun to take a look because they have all the different templates. So. 
I was thinking we should also put up some of the best like user stuff that people make fan art. We should put it up as well. We should. Stuff. We have like, the really, best listeners. Some of the best listeners ever are our listeners. Can, like, can, before we get to the next topic, can I say this? I had a listener. I, I I was I had a frustrating day today, and one of our listeners actually took time out, and they're like, "You want to play Peggle?" And they actually sat Aww. there and got their butt kicked by me in Peggle for over an hour today. Wow. And that was that was so sweet of them. Um, we just we have amazing listeners, and we have I the just best people. Yeah. yeah, I know you hear that from some shows, like, "Oh, we have the best listeners." I'm telling you right now, I feel so honored by mm-hmm. every single one of our listeners and the degree to which they interact with us. And yeah. it's it really touches me. It, it really mm-hmm. does. And I want to tell you, every one of you, I appreciate you. Hey, let me just let me just wrap up the ad before we gush about our listeners some more. So, <laughs> so when you decide to square out, sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and uh, show us how awesome of a listener you are and show your support for isometric. And we thank Squarespace for their support of Isometric and 5x5. Uh, Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Does anybody else have anything nice to say about our listeners? We, I, we got like, an, uh, like a like thousand word missive about Pokemon this week. That yes, we did. Really? I don't even think we can yeah. read that on the show. It was so detailed. But somebody <laughs> sent in a delineation of every single Pokemon game and why wow. she likes some yeah. and not others. And I was blown away by it. And that person should start a blog and maybe pitch to paste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's all. This is why I keep saying that I'm not hardcore because like Ben Folds has a song called There's Always Someone Cooler Than You. And my feeling is there's always someone more hardcore than you. Yeah, yeah. I thought I liked Pokemon. I don't, apparently. I, I don't know <laughs> anything like about Pokemon. Not like this lady who emailed us. <laughs> I, I've heard of Pikachu, maybe, and that's pretty much my Pokemon knowledge. That's how I feel after that email. Yeah, right. same. It was great. But I love, right. we love your emails, yeah. even though sometimes they're too long to read on the show. No, whoever did that, when Pokemon, the next Pokemon comes out, like, write me and help me figure out how to play that game. That would be great. I could use that. Help. Oh, oh Brie, I will send you out. a list of tips that are equivalent to the, the, the barrage that you sent me when I started playing Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was a cool conversation. <laughs> it's kind of one-sided. But... A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how to play Peckle sometime, too. So. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, let's talk about a very funny subject. Yeah, let's talk about a super funny subject. So I... I I'm not even really sure how to start this. Should I just talk about why we're talking about this today yeah, of all days? And then we can get into that. Is that the, do you think, mm-hmm. Brie? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the Twitter fight we had yeah. last night. That was, that was Bri- fun. Brie yeah. and I got into a Twitter fight. Not with each other, though. Not with each other. No. That would be way more We did that in private. Yeah. Just clarifying for the listeners. We settled that in Peggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peggle. This is a fight with a third party. So... I was on Twitter last night. Let me let me start out with this. I, I've talked about this on the show before. I talked about this at length on the interview I did with Elite on Less Than or Equal. I have two kids who are on the autism spectrum. So I've talked about my oldest daughter a lot. She was she was diagnosed with what was at the time called Asperger's, and Asperger's is not a diagnosis that is given out anymore, according to the DSM-5, but this was on the dsm 4 Feel free to Google if you want to know what all those means. It's psychological. Well, George, you can probably explain it better than I can what they are. But yeah. the, the psychological classification Bibles, basically, is that? Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 just our way of of diagnosing what what someone might have, and they've mm-hmm. they've placed um, Aspergers with 
like a mild form of autism instead. Right. And people are definitely mixed on where to right. like, is, is that better or is that worse? But you know, that being said, it's considered now this, the same, right? It's, you know, of yeah. the spectrum. It's, it's considered high functioning autism now is what, I guess what the official diagnosis is. And my, my younger, one of the twins who's five was also diagnosed with high functioning autism. So I've, Got two kids on the spectrum, you know, they, again, I, I joke about, you know, kids ruin, ev- ruin everything in the nicest way, as Jonathan Colton says, but like, I, you know, I do love my kids and my kids are awesome. Mm-hmm. And... I love your kids. Mm-hmm. I would rank your kids higher than most of my friends' kids. Like, I like hanging out with your kids. They're awesome. Dude. What, what, better than, better than your dogs though? Uh, told out. <laughs> you don't have to answer. Don't that. go there. Yes. Don't go there. Yes. Yes. So, yes. so I'm just, I'm just no saying comment. that. Yeah. So I'm just saying that based on you know, just so you know where I'm coming from, because I know we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I, it doesn't come up often, and and uh, you know, because autism doesn't come up in video games very often, which I guess is what we're going to talk about. But so I'm on Twitter last night, and I see this tweet, and it's they're ta- just something talking about. Twitter announced some business plan or something, and it's, you know, a bunch of business gobbledygook. And the tweet that he puts out is, uh, I'll read it and I'm going to have to censor it a little bit um, because this is a family show. But uh, Twitter's new mission statement sounds like something an Asperger team would shout as he's about to climax, except that climax was not the word that he used. Okay. And I lost my stuff. And because, you know, it really and, and I, I, you know, we got into this Twitter fight and he eventually apologized, though he didn't take the tweet down, at least as of when we're recording this. So obviously he's not to the point where he feels bad about it, that he's willing to undo the mistake that he did. Can can I say something about sure. that? So what happened is, you know, he did that tweet. You were upset. And, you know, I have a few more twitter followers than you do yeah. and i just like hey dude what what's up with this this is a really offensive thing to say and then i sent it to all thirty thousand of my followers who kind of went after him you know for good reason because it yeah. was it was it was wildly it was, inappropriate it was joke, way way over you know? the line. um and so at first he's like oh sorry about that Oh, by the way, this other guy sent me a better tweet explaining why oh, yeah. I was wrong. So that was a lot more constructive than you sicking like a bunch of your knee jerk Twitter followers on you. Yeah. So he says that. That, that was like, exactly that was what he said. Right. To which I yep. responded, "You shouldn't need instruction to be able to tell that you shouldn't right. use somebody's neurological condition." Right. As the exactly. Joke. And then I'm like, "Dude, tell it to your followers. Like, right. I'm not on the spectrum. This is out of line. Apologize to your followers." And then after kind of being a jerk. When he got called on something very reasonable about it, you know, that was the point that he did tweet out one thing to his followers. Also, didn't follow it with me or Steve to the point that I know. I just want to say this. Like, we're giving this to give context for this conversation. Yeah. Um, we don't need to restart this whole fight. Yeah. Again. Oh, God. Like, this no, is done. No, no. Don't this go after. Done. If you follow us or yeah. listen to the show, don't go after. We're trying like, to give did, you context. You know, right. I'll, I'll, at the end of the day, it, it took a little bit of, you know – coaxing but he did apologize and it's done and we're not relitigating but i was i was extremely upset all night mm-hmm. and then i was still upset this morning so i wrote this blog post that we'll, we'll link in the show notes on my blog about but i'm which is something that i've noticed and i've noticed it a lot 
especially over the last couple of months with everything that's been going on of autism and Asperger's being used as a way to put people down. Mm -hmm. And it it makes me sick because, and I'm going to ask you if you're listening to us and this is me asking you as a person, as a human being. And I I'd like to think that if you're listening to our show, that you're, you know, someone who would care about these things because we talk about a lot about about diversity and we talk a lot about you know we talk about social issues a fair enough and i would like to think if you're listening to to our voices that you're somebody who cares about stuff like this and because i know that and i even got some responses after i posted that blog post like i never really thought about that but i'm never going to do that again so i'm just asking you as a person like if you're thinking if that even crosses your mind please don't use that as a pejorative don't describe somebody in a negative way as autistic or Aspergy, which is, which just makes me want to throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, because it's, it's something that, you know, you can't, that they can't change. Right. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's like a miss, a gross misunder under understanding of what it actually is. Because I, I think that a lot of people kind of equate autism with just taking things literally a lot and, and to the point where they're, you know, overtaking things literally. And that's, that's not what autism is. I mean, my, and my, my experience with autism, again, it's, it, it's a spectrum for a reason. And both my kids are high functioning and low functioning. Autism is a completely separate, but I mean, my, the way that I've always described it and the way I described it on less than or equal is that if you think about that, the way that, that autistic people process information, it's more like, it's more rigid and it's more like uh more structured so that you can you have they have at least my kids again i, I the only experience i know is by proxy right cuz i don't live with it myself through i'm experiencing it through my daughters so i don't it's kind of frustrating actually cuz i don't actually know how they're feeling and they're not really at the point where they can explain to me how they're feeling and how they're processing things so i'm kind of just gleaning it based on how i see them react but the way that that it seems to me is that they have a plan for everything and and a lot of people have plans in their heads but they and we can kind of prep them if certain things are going to go wrong and they can they can plan for that but if they get something that's unexpected they just can't deal with it mm-hmm. and they are getting so much stimuli that they sometimes just can't process it and they shut down and i that's that's kind of the my daily experience with it mm-hmm. and but to see somebody taking that which is you know it's not even that it's bad per se it's something that they need to it's like anything else that makes you different it's something that you need to kind of understand how to manage along with society's expectations as best you can and you know take advantage of it when it works for you right um but it's it's not something that makes them lesser Right. You know what I mean? And and to see somebody take that and, and, and I've seen this a lot outside of this incident too. Um but to take that and make it a a pejorative just really bothered me a, a whole mm-hmm. lot. So something I've been kind of learning about lately is this it's a kind of a new term that's come about and it's called ableism. Yeah. And um you know, I 
am not a perfect person. You know, I am, I'm a different person today than I was five years ago, 10 years ago. You know, I am learning and changing. And, and something I've become aware of lately is this new term called ableism. And the idea is basically, um, I think what Scott Simpson did, the joke he told, would be extremely ableist. And it's kind of like putting down people with autism um, in a way that definitely, you know, set, makes them lesser. But it's not just telling jokes like that. It's also using certain phrases like, uh, you know, I was a child in the 80s and lame was yeah. something we said a lot. Uh, this is part of my vocabulary today. But if you start to think about it, that's actually kind of, um, it's, it's kind of framing a negative trait and linking it with someone disabled. So um, I think that a lot of us have, I I certainly have changed my view on gay rights over the course of my life. Um, You know, I I think I've learned like ways that racism is in our society and I've tried to be a better person on that and more aware of the way that that happens. And kind of what I think a new frontier is, is ableism. And I think that all of us kind of have a responsibility to kind of look around, examine our language, and you know, look at this stereotype about the autistic, which I'm sure I've told a joke about that at some point in my life as well. And it's like a light bulb is coming on, like, hey, you know, Steve's daughters didn't choose to be this way. Like they're delightful. I and mean, your your daughter is a, like she reminds me of me when I was her age. Like if you watch her playing a video game, like she's she's total focused oh, and yeah. sucked into it. You know, she's she's just a a kid and she's delightful yeah. to be around. And you know, the thought of her having anything but a life where she has respect is unacceptable. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah. And the thing that's the thing is that, you know, there's this perception of autistic people as um, – or people on the spectrum, I should say, that are just socially aloof and don't interact with anybody and just kind of in their own space and socially just cut off, mm-hmm. right? And that's not – my kids are not that way. Not even a little. I mean my – even my, my, younger, my younger daughter who is further – is a little bit lower functioning than my older daughter will just – you know, she's smiling and dancing a lot of the time and she'll just come up and give you a hug for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And and she's she loves being I mean, sometimes she'll get overwhelmed and she'll just kind of go into a room and just play with the iPad because she she's overstimulated. But a lot of the time she'll come out, she'll dance, she'll sing, she'll, you know, just come up and, and give you a hug and perform for you. And, you know, she's not like mute. You no. know what I mean? No. Yeah. Not even a and little. Yeah. Not even a little. I mean, for sometimes we can't I, get I've her to seen shut her up. get overwhelmed. <laughs> I've seen her get overwhelmed and go into yeah. the her own world. But like yeah. this is a this is a child that's gonna grow up to have, you know, a cool future. It's it's on every one of our listeners and me and Maddie and Georgia to help raise awareness and just make sure she can have a life with dignity. I mean, where she's not getting this kind of joke. It's just, it's, it's beyond uncool. So. I think it's great, Steve, when, uh, in your article, you also said that, listen, we all probably use terms, um, that we really don't have an awareness of how it affects people that are actually dealing with it. And everyone, we all have our own wounds and our own things that make us feel bad. And I remember um, watching a movie once with my friend and her, 
her entire family was heavily obese, and it was uh, an Eddie Murphy movie, I forget which one, but they keep on making all of these jokes, these fat jokes. And so everyone in the movie theater is rip-roaring with laughter, and I'm sitting next to her, and we're sitting there in silence because this is her family that everyone is poking fun at. I, I think that we all need to be a little bit more sensitive about other things that are there, about many different terms that we use and how they might affect other people. And I, I think that, as you said, that you, you know, you said in, in your post that, you know, you've probably said things that you shouldn't have. I definitely have said things and thought back to say, you know what, that probably, I might have offended or hurt someone else's feelings that's like that. And sometimes we don't mean it. We're just not aware unless you're actually touched by something that it's hurtful. And I think that, you know, we sometimes need to be brought awareness to that and know that, you know, yeah, like you had said, that it's okay, we do make these mistakes, but once you're more aware of it, try to be more cognizant to that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I related in that post that I've, you know, thrown around the term PTSD, where I shouldn't no, totally should not have, and, you know, kind of made light of, not even made light, but just kind of used it in a flippant way that I shouldn't have used it. And I didn't realize that it was, it was offensive until I was called out on it. And I'm glad that I was called out on it. I think honest. that we also don't yeah. need to take things and and not I think that we can be overly sensitive as oh, well yeah, sometimes of and that you know if someone is saying something like in and this is my own personal way and, and everyone has their own way and that's okay but you know if someone's saying something and they do not have a mal intent when they say it you know I you know if they say something about you know oh women or something like that like I try not to if the intent is not to harm I try to you know, gently yeah. veer away from that if, you know, because you can usually, it's harder on, on text-based because most of information, uh, communication is through verbal, uh, is through visual, not through verbal. So it's hard through text, but I try to let people know in a kind way because, yeah, I'm just as fallible. Like I'll say stuff yeah. I try, like I do this for a living. So I try not to, to make anyone feel offended or, or hurt or excluded. I, I try to be a really inclusive person because I know what it feels like to be on the outside and not to be included. And it's, it's not too cool and probably why I'm a therapist. But um, I thought it was a really beautiful post. I think you oh, wrote it you. really nicely, Steve. And yeah. I think that it's, yeah. you know, a beautiful, you know, way to, to kind of let people know that, you know, the words that you use can hurt someone else if they're dealing with it and those that see that. Because I, I don't like labels in the first place. I think that I, it's, it's a hard thing to, to, to be stuck with something. And let's try not to make it something even more negative. As we're moving forward in diversity in video games, like I, I've said many times, I feel one of the reasons that, you know, video games have kind of stagnated is we kind of have the same protagonist over and over and over again. And we're not, we're not really hear, hearing new stories for new experiences. And before the show today, knowing that we were going to talk about this, I um, I kind of looked at what the representations were of autistic people in video games. And uh, it's shockingly horrible. Uh, the most famous autistic person, according to Wikipedia, would be David from the Mass Effect 2 Overlord uh, DLC pack, which, you know, I'm sorry, this game's out, been this has been out for a while, so spoilers, uh, but... This is about someone autistic that's kept and tortured, frankly, uh, to like interact with the with the geth. And you know, he's his eyes are pried open with wires, and if you play Renegade Shepherd, you end up leaving this autistic person there to torture, uh, be tortured and to eventually die in Mass Effect three. 
So, you know, that's that's not a really great representation. And I, I started thinking about in in TV and movies the representation of autistic people. And it's it's not great. No. Like I can just say for me personally, when I think of someone autistic, I think about your oldest daughter, Steve. Like yeah. she's the first person that pops into my head. Someone that's happy and focused and loves video games and is, is just delightful to be around. And I, I could tell you for me as a game developer moving forward, you know, if there's a spot for us to tell a narrative that paints someone in a more positive way, I'm going to do that. And if you're an indie game developer, I would, I would call on you to raise your awareness there. Yeah. I mean, and I think that the, the other problem that there is, I mean, you think about film and, and TV. I mean, you you know, I you keep going back to the same two examples that I have every time I talk about this, which is Raymond and the Wizard. Hmm. And there's not really I mean, I know that there was some Bruce Willis movie like 10, 15 years ago about him protecting an autistic boy. And I don't remember what the name of it was. But the 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 problem also is that it it's called an autism spectrum for a reason. But even when there are when there is representation it's always on the low functioning end of that spectrum. So the the reason that we know about like Rayman and and the kid from the wizard, they're low functioning, but you never hear about you you don't ever see someone who is high functioning. Who's well, there is the big the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, but um, I mean, even that representation has come under fire yeah. as well for being sort of reductive and yeah. yeah. And they've and they've denied that he's that he's on the spectrum. Whenever right. they whenever they ask them about that char- about the character Sheldon Cooper, they will say, "Well, no, he's not. He's not on the spectrum. He's just Sheldon, right. and that's how he is." <laughs> If they were going to come out and say he was on the spectrum, that would be one set of problems. But the fact that they're not and just kind of painting him as he's his own person, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't even help either, really, I suppose. I think that a lot of uh, people that were dealing with um, Asperger's were were really happy with um, and kind of felt a kinship for um, Drax from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because he was strong and likable and lovable and smart and... um, and again, it's it's also come onto fire. I think that whenever we try to, you know, some people are like, yay, this is good. And some people are like, you know what, I feel uncomfortable with that. I think it's, again, that labeling of things. And it's so much more than that. And there's so many more layers. And I don't know, it's it's definitely a really difficult issue because it is it is a vast and, and what our neurology says is it's probably many different things. It is not just one thing. It's It's probably a mixture of of a, a different, like, you know, of different genetic coding and, and perhaps also environment though. It's, it's supposedly highly genetic. We're not really sure yet. Yeah. So because of that, it makes it really difficult because you don't want to end up like sticking people into a box. And then if you don't fit in that box, then it's also this, where do you end up with that? I don't know, Georgia. I, I personally, maybe it's because I'm a software developer, but it's it's hard for me personally to not kind of um I don't know like put things into boxes like okay this this makes sense to me this is what's going on here this is the reality of it and you know I can tell you I I've, I've seen a therapist for years you know I've got my own stuff too and I I don't know I could say for me I I I find that comfortable in the the precision of it but that's that's just me you know i think autism what, what i'm learning in regards to this is 
I, I like your word for it, Steve, spectrum, because it does seem to be such a, a continuum of personalities and experiences on it. And I do think this is something that's very hard to to kind of force people in a box about. So I guess the one the one thing that I'll I'll say, and then I guess we can we can kind of leave it there unless any of you have anything else you want to say. But mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about the on the show about my oldest daughter. Um, and how much she loves video games. I mean, she's my kid, right? But one of the things that I've noticed with her is that she, up until when she really started to get into video games, which was probably two years ago, is around when she really started actually being able to work the controller and be able to do something. She had a lot of trouble with persistence, which is to say that she would do something up until the point where it didn't work the way that she thought that it should work. And then she would just give up. And she's, a, you know, I mean, I'm her dad, right? I'm going to say this anyway, but she's a smart kid. She's, she's beyond, you know, beyond her grade level and what she's doing. And, but we kept seeing this, that she's so smart, but anytime that she got into a wall, she would just stop because mm-hmm. it wasn't how she was expecting it to go. And she was done. And one of the things that I noticed when she did start playing video games is that really helped her Mm. learn persistence because she was able to fail in a low risk environment. Right. And she learned resilience. Exactly. And she learned and and it took her a little while because even with video games, it was like, well, I I can't do it. Daddy, you do it. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it for you. This is a video game. You're not going to learn how to do it if I keep if I keep doing it Mm -hmm. and you know it took a it took some time of finding a different game to play that she was going to be able to play and not fail at which is how we eventually landed on Skylanders which is when she really started to get it but um and kind of giving her that ability for me to kind of pull her along but still have her doing it but I've noticed that a lot with her that that the time that she spends in video games is helping her a lot with with resilience and persistence and being able to look at a challenge and say okay well this isn't the way that I want it to go, but I can try again and I can mm-hmm. figure out a different way around the problem and I can conquer this and gives her the self-confidence that she's able to do that in, a, in again, a low-risk environment. Yeah, safe environment. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know that I can only imagine if she had someone like her in a game that she could play, yeah. like that would mean the world to her. If she was mm-hmm. able to, because she's just now starting we're starting to introduce to her that she is on the autism spectrum and she is this is something that she's gonna have to learn to deal with and then we got past the point of her using it as an excuse for everything right but (laughs) but that's smart (laughs) but yeah smart kid right but i i would i would totally milk it for all it was worth yeah of course but um, you know, but teaching her that that this is something that she's going to that she is and that she's going to be. And and if she had someone in a video game that was like her, I, I know that would mean the world to her. And that yeah. would be I mean, as much as I see her, you know, fighting over Princess Peach in Super Mario 3D World, I could imagine if she had a game where she could play as someone who was autistic like her and be able to, you know, kind of use that as a role model. 
Mm-hmm. And that would mean that would absolutely mean the world to her. I, I can't even imagine. And, well, and I mean, I, this feels, is the beauty yeah. of video games, right? Yeah. Like we can have different experiences for all of us. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why diversity is so important. Yeah. You know, video games have, you know, we've been, we get so defensive when people suggest it's not an art form, but it seems like we're really hesitant to like break out and actually, you know, do things that, I mean, how, how informative would that be for a normal person to kind of see the world through your daughter's eyes? Um, I don't mind saying like, I've had work relationships with people on the spectrum before that have been very frustrating. And I can also tell you, I've had professional conflict with people on the spectrum that, have behaved in ways I felt was sexist. And I I think that just anything you can do to kind of share that experience with the other person, I think that there's there's value in that. And maybe maybe if I had a different perspective on how they were perceiving information, maybe that conversation would have gone differently. So I would say it just wouldn't be cool. I would say we as an industry have a a responsibility to provide things like that. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. even for me as a parent, it would be invaluable knowing, because I don't know what, I don't know how their brains work really. You know, I mean, I know from what I observe, but I don't know how they're feeling and I'm never going to know how they're feeling really. No, there's some really great Ted talks. um, And uh, Temple Grandin has some, really great talks and one of them is called the world needs all kinds of minds Mm -hmm. uh, which i think is really great and uh she's a wonderful spokesperson and and the way that she sees the world may be different than the way that other people that are dealing that are on the spectrum somewhere may see it um but i think that it's just a great way and and she's a fabulous speaker to that See, this is my this is my theory about autism yeah i could be completely wrong about this but so there are subspecialties of programming and making games that are so complicated that they make my eyes roll back in my head <laughs> and just like, oh my God, I couldn't do that. That would that would be a horrible job. Some of the people I know that are brought in to bring the hardest, most tedious, difficult problems that exist in this entire industry are on the autism spectrum. And they're phenomenally good at their job. So my theory about autism is I I think that it's another brain type for another problem. I think they bring something else to humanity. Just like, you know, I think if you're someone that is gay, I think you bring something to humanity. I think I think we all kind of bring something to the table with our different experiences. So I just I, I know that for me, getting into the game development industry, I, I've I've kind of changed my mind on that, and I've seen it as I think sometimes there's an upside or, or there's there's value that they still bring. Does that make sense to you? Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I guess one other thing, I just was doing. I remember there was some video that I remember seeing, and I'll try to link it in the show notes. That kind of gives you a view of how someone with autism experiences the world. But while I was doing that search, I actually just came across this uh, page for this game called Autism. A-U-T-I-S-I-M. Huh. Apparently, it's it simulates a kid on a playground with an autistic child with auditory hypersensitivity. 
Um, I, mm-hmm. I haven't tried it. I don't. I'll try it after the show. But it seems like something that might be might be kind of informative as well. And apparently, you get closer to lo- closer to lad children, and it starts affecting how you're able to perceive the world and stuff like that. So, hmm. seems interesting. Yeah, to take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, don't um, pick on the disabled. Yeah, don't. That's do it. that's that's. Just be I can't nice believe to that's that's a statement you even have to make in 2014. Yeah. But I just just don't freaking tell those jokes. It it makes you a jerk. And I mean, I have nothing but just loathing towards anyone that does that. Don't do it. I mean, well, it's not like, complicated. Also, be open minded about getting called out. And yeah. that's extremely hard to do. So I realize that's mm-hmm. the most ridiculous thing I could say. But it's honestly the biggest mistake I see people make is they say something flippant that they aren't thinking about and they didn't mean any harm by it. And sometimes people call them out in a very polite way. And then they react defensively, and it gets yeah. worse after that. It, mm-hmm. it, and so, I think usually it's because they're embarrassed that, mm-hmm. that they did something wrong. Sometimes they're not nice they people. They don't that think is that they too. did something wrong. They think they're that a good be. person, and they say it was a joke. Why are you taking it so seriously? Being that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 I mean, we've all we've all felt that way, right? We all remember feeling that way in our, in our past before we we were more open-minded about these things. We we all had that moment where we were like, oh, that's ridiculous. I shouldn't have to worry about that. But then you meet somebody who has a different life circumstance from you. You meet somebody who is a different race than you or has different cla- a different class than you or whatever, it has a disability that you don't have. And then you, you, they are humanized to you at that point. And then after you meet that person, you start noticing everywhere these biases that exist. And, and then they matter to you at that point. But, but if you don't have those experiences, then I think people are not open-minded about them, these other people who might actually be offended. And they think, oh, people are just making up that they're offended. But, but that's not, you just have to understand that nobody ever invents being offended. It's not yeah. like people it's actually true. enjoy that. It, it's, it's some, sure, sometimes people are very rude. That's fair. But but a lot of times I see very, very gentle, hey, that's not cool comments. And then and then the part where it turns into a fight is actually that defensiveness. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But it can go all the way to the point, though, where if I say the mailman, someone will be like, no, no, no. How could you say that? That's you know what I mean? Like, you know, like. It's it's hard. It's hard to navigate. Yeah, what I mean, like all of the language not... that we have come up with is it's, male dominated. It's kind of in, like that it's is a fact. Ingrained. So yeah, all of this you know, stuff like is yeah, is completely intrinsic totally at get... this point for all of us. Yeah. yeah, it it makes you a better person to just like if someone talks to you about this, and you, if you follow me on Twitter, you will see me do this. If someone tells you something they say is offensive, like just take it as a as a gift to you yeah. to learn and to be not a jerk to people. I mean, there there's no shame in making an occasional mistake and, you know, owing up to it is where you show your character. And mm-hmm. when you get mega defensive, that's where you show you have no character, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I completely agree. And I, I would say I think about it as the fact that I'm always taking edits. I'm constantly listening to criticism. It's my job. It's something I think I'm good at in, in my job. So, so whenever people say, oh, this is inaccurate, you have to fix this. I'm happy to do it, you know? And yeah. this is the same as that. It's just in your ordinary life. Or like the tech industry 
comparison would be bug fixes. If somebody says, hey, there's a mistake in your game, this won't load, you're not going to be like, no, there isn't. My game's perfect. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't right. do that. You would listen to them and be like, oh, can you describe what I what happened to cause that bug? What Can you just walk me through it? And and this is the same as that. You're you're just going to listen to somebody else walk you through their life and be like, "Hey, this is why that word means something different to me." And right. now you know. Yeah, why don't we why don't we calm down a little bit and talk about what we're playing? Okay. So, Maddie, we you were we didn't, we didn't let you talk too much. Uh, so you yeah. can go first. Um so unfortunately, I don't have that much to say because I've been playing Super Smash Brothers and I'm under embargo. And because embargoes are courtesy, I'm gonna do Nintendo the courtesy of not talking about Super Smash Brothers. But there was one other very, very small game that I played this week that I'll just quickly mention. Kaylin Sandel made a twine game and <gasps> it is her. inspired by a email that I wrote to someone who emailed me. I get a lot of emails, usually from guys that are very long emails in which the guy will tell me a lot of very personal information about his feelings. (laughs) Oh, that sounds lovely. um, Yeah. And it, it, it usually makes me really uncomfortable, but I think that people read my work and they think that, they have a personal connection with it. And so they're inspired to send me an email about their own experiences, even though we don't really know each other. So, so sometimes this sort of boundary is crossed there where, where because I have sort of a public persona, uh, people think that they really know me and, and they don't. And so they sort of send me an email that I would say is inappropriate. But it happens so often that now I'm kind of used to it. I'm sort of like, okay, sometimes... I get these emails. And I think the reason why I get them from men more often is because it's not socially acceptable for men as often to be emotional in public. So so they'll have an emotional reaction to something that I've written because I, I write about a lot of serious topics sometimes. So um, they'll, they'll, they'll email me back because they'll feel like I am the person that they can talk to about this, but they don't feel like they can talk about it to their own friends. And that's, that's very sad to me. And, and sometimes these emails are kind of sexist in some way and I don't have time to explain why like like they will be hitting on me or or there will be some element to it that I I just I don't have time to respond to every single email in the way that I wish that I could so I tweeted about this and I was like this is something I really have trouble with I don't know how to respond to these emails and so Kaylin made this game and it's called Becca B-E-C-C-A-A and it is it's like an empathy simulator and it's wow. not mocking at all. If I had made this game, it probably would have been me <laughs> unintentionally. But Kaylin is a wonderful person and she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. So she, she can't make a mean game, I don't think. <laughs> or she, she could try. I don't think so, though. And so she has made this game that will respond. It is designed for men. But really, anybody could play it. It is designed for anybody who feels like they can't share their emotions. That's really what it's for. And it includes all these beautiful quotes from Bell Hooks, who's like a noted feminist writer, and Ta-Nehisi Coates, who's also like this great activist writer. And it sort of guides you through some feminism 101 and also is very empathetic in response to you put in prompts where you give it your name and you say, like, I'm very angry about this article I, I read or I'm very upset about this article and it and it responds in kind to what you put in and it's just I just like had had talked about this in such a frustrated way and Kaylin responded with this beautiful game that 
it's just really great. And anyway, Kaylin is my friend, so I'm completely biased, but <laughs> I really love this game. Corruption. So, and honestly, this is the only other game I've played recently besides Super Smash. So it's really seriously the only other game I could talk about. But also, it's really great. So even if this isn't your situation and you don't read things and feel like you want to talk to somebody or whatever, it's still a beautiful game. And just playing through it and reading these quotes and just sort of getting that little walk through feminism history is really great so yeah i liked it a lot cool. you're probably gonna get a whole bunch more people emailing you stuff now i'm just well they're gonna email kaylin <laughs> they want to email her you game made them feel so many feelings and they want to tell her all about them no i think happen. it's i think they're doing it because it's you maddie i'm just saying it could <laughs> they be, just want to email you but i don't think it just happens to me no. I, i've talked to other people and i think it's, uh, it's not just you i get those emails all the freaking time all the time and they're so sexist sometimes they're so sexist they are, and it's it's hard to explain why. Like sometimes they'll be sexist right. in a way that is is hard for clearly hard for the sender to understand. Like they'll be saying that they think I'm physically attractive, but they're also complimenting my work. And I'm like, I need to explain to you why that's not okay, and I just don't have time. You know, like that kind of thing. I so, got I got with my harassment article, which uh, on Polygon, which was. was uh, just a smashing success for them for the year. I still get emails from people all the time. And I had one that was taking my article that was shocking about the daily harassment women experience in the game development industry and like took one sentence and was arguing about how it was offensive to him as a man. And it was like, jeez, wow. dude, are you missing the freaking point? And then you try to have a conversation with him and it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back even angrier. It's like, yeah. I'm not like a trout, yo. I I, I try not to even respond to those people. I just say like sometimes I if I send an email back at all, I'll say something like thanks for reaching out. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'll just say the most basic platitudes because at that point I want to put some emotional distance between us because they're usually being overly personal towards me. So I have to kind of put the wall up a little and be like, hey, reminder, this is my profession. Let's let's put a little bit more distance here. As opposed to responding very personally, which which just opens it up to even more long emails where they think that we're best friends. <laughs> but yeah, so this this game is great, and and I hope that that people will play it. Even though I can't necessarily send it to every guy who emails me without seeming like I'm insulting them, I I want to get the word out that the game exists because it's really lovingly made, and it's it's not intended to make fun of this, and it, it's serious. It's a serious issue, I think that that men are not encouraged to just express their emotions in healthy ways. And instead they're supposed to bottle them up. And that is exactly what this is about. And this game is about, and I just think it's really important. So, yeah. And there's women that have a, a a real difficulty with that as well. So, Mm -hmm. although I think it's more acceptable for us to, to talk to each other and have female friends as opposed to men. I mean, you can look at the stats on that and how it's a problem in America. At least it's definitely a problem culturally that we have. Yeah, that it would take a much closer friendship with the man between men to have that kind of conversation, like way like right. Way and it's considered it. There's like a lot of homophobia wrapped up in it as well, because like it's considered or not masculine or whatever. Right. Yeah, it just right. sucks. Yeah. Can I just yeah. say I try to when I deal with Gamergate or sometime I I um, there was a article I read from a friend of mine uh, that. She uh, she went to a men's rights convention, which is you know a lot of where this 
there's actually a new video game site by men's rights activists. Oh, correct. And yeah, uh, man, we should have done a topic about that, that train no. wreck. Um, yeah, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, what I'm saying is like one thing she saw over and over was men without outlets for emotion that were really hurting mm-hmm. and didn't have anywhere for that pain to go. And right. so it came out in unhealthy ways. So I, I can tell you very truthfully, when I deal with Gamergate or sometimes that's always in the back of my mind that I think they are speaking their emotional truth. So I agree yeah. with what you just said, Manny. I think you're right. And I it's sad because it's also just another layer of misogyny because like presenting your emotions is seen as feminine and yeah. that is therefore bad. So it's just all part of the same exact problem that we're fighting or trying to. So, Brie, what are you playing this week? I beat Call of Duty. I beat my first Call of Duty. It was so glorious. It was so glorious. And before it even ended, like, this is the best part of Call of Duty. So in the first mission, you get a robot arm. You get a robot arm in the first mission. And then I don't want to spoil you how it ends. Don't. Think about how Michael Bay would end a movie. Where you're fighting, you know, Kevin Bacon. Right, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Oh, Kevin that? Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey. You're fighting Kevin Bacon. That sounds like the best game ever. <laughs> so imagine how you would end a movie if it was Michael Bay. You're fighting Kevin Spacey and you had a robot arm. And that's exactly how they ended the game. <laughs> That's okay, exactly well, how I did. Oh my god! Do you hear? Was, do you hear that excitement in Bree's voice? That I know, it that is great. why I have played every Call of Duty game. <laughs> yeah, because that is how they make you feel. They make you feel like you're the most powerful person in the universe. That's like exactly you're looking what at they the do. Bar and you're like, oh, I killed a hundred people. That's pretty good. Oh, I killed three hundred people. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I killed thirteen hundred people. What's up? Like, yep. you know, <laughs> virtual so, people, and they right, all virtual people. It. That's totally yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I play Call of Duty this week. Uh, awesome. I'm not gonna lie, I played a lot. Of Peckle, I have Peckle problem. George, I need to talk to you about my future Peckle intervention. That I'm I, I am. I will on. say I am exceedingly proud of that meme gift that, of that meme meme JPEG that I made for you last week. Yeah. Time. No, we should use that more. Like yeah. Rihanna. It's, so it's I, called, yeah. So I, I put together. She was going to play with our friend Brian, so I went to Meme Generator, which I know is dangerous, but whatever. Um, and there was a picture of a house burning in the background and in the foreground there's like this six-year-old girl with just like this sly little grin on her face and so i just put over that brianna Wu would like to play peggle (laughs) (laughs) it's great i love peggle uh what else did i play this week i worked on alien isolation a little bit more i think that was pretty much it so yeah i like call of duty uh don't get me wrong like the whole series has a lot of problems with pacing because it's like if you go from mission to mission, and it's just like, you know, like, like eventually, if you have no quiet parts for like destroying people, then you know, it, it's just so much adrenaline that it it ends up not meaning anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the series would do really well to kind of just give the player some kind of agency so they feel involved in this epic plot line that's happening and you're not just watching it. Um, but that said, it was a really fun game. So let me ask you this quickly. Yes. But do you like this better than Titanfall? No. Okay. Well, I mean, Titanfall's single player sucks. 
it's just yeah. crap. It's 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 horrible. I mean, it's it's not even a single player. It's it's you're playing online with people and you're just doing the multiplayer missions to unlock different Titan frames. Um, so as far as a multiplayer game, Titanfall is drastically, massively better. Uh, you know, I was I was pretty proud to hold my own in multiplayer in this, but it's not something I'm going to play seriously. Yeah, Titanfall felt fun and different, and it felt like even if I couldn't... What I liked about Titanfall is it felt like if I didn't have the the fastest twitch reflexes, then I could beat people with strategy. And I don't think that exists so much in Call of Duty. It, it, it's very much twitch-based. Mm. So I, I, they're, they're different games. I can say I really enjoyed the single-player campaign for this one. So, Georgia, what have you been playing this week? I've been really sick, so I've been watching other people play video games in my home, which is so sad. Too sick but to play video games? I, yeah. I, I did That's play some play Shadow of Mordor games. and some some Don't Judge Me Candy Crush, but um, I actually haven't been... <laughs> I didn't play anything new, and we have all these new games out there, so I watched my husband play Arkham, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, and I'm like... The original one? Yeah. The first one? Like, yeah, and I'm like... Uh, yeah, they just yeah. dropped that on PlayStation Plus, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I'm like, that's not a new game. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I liked no. it when it came out. No, no, no. They're all old games. I saw uh, Raymond Legman's we were watching, and I was watching him play play that, and which was adorable, Batty. You were absolutely right and cute. And luckily, the, the, the little... Um, the the naked people, the fairies that are nefarious, are so tiny. Like you don't really get to see until yeah, they're. Yeah, they like... change that stuff in this. And also, you probably, if you're starting at the beginning, you haven't unlocked any of the little Viking girls yet. No, I have halter not tops. seen any yeah. of the the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you gotta was, was you gotta waiting. get past a few levels before I was you get like, them. Come on, get it doesn't even start out with letting you play as a female character. You have to play for like an hour before you whatever, Raymond. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I already yeah. ranted yeah. about this. But it is it is really adorably cute. Yes, besides that, which is, is so. Sad because you get to tickle your monsters. You They're tickle so them. Cute and the what little. Could be cuter. The voice acting is cute. Oh. All this. Uh, we're getting dangerously close to another what we're playing for Georgia going off the rails. So no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it was all. It was, I was all excited. It's all cute, and then they end up like throwing that. And why do that? Because like my kids were playing. I'm like, ah, oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm so torn. It bothers me. Anyways, so I I've not actually been. Um, yeah, Steve. <laughs> wait, wait, I have a question, Georgia. So, yes. you yes. know, it's, it is sadly November 13th at this point, meaning our Game of the Year talks are not that far away. Uh, is Shadows of Mordor going to be something you're going to advocate for Game of the Year? <coughs> I really do. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I like... <coughs> Sorry, my voice. Suddenly I can't, I can't really speak right now. I'm feeling... Oh, my gosh! <coughs> This is I, so awkward. <laughs> I really do like Shadows of Mars. I really like it. Okay. And because I, it's only know? $50 right now on Amazon. <gasps> Will you play it? Yeah, I'll, I'll play it. <gasps> Buy so a used excited. copy so that you don't give any money to the developers. Buy used. Destroy them. Yes, Destroy yes, game stuff. Yes, I just want to see if you played and if you actually like it. Yeah, I already bought it. Okay. <gasps> you bought it? I did. Were We're talking about it right now. Thank you. <gasps> I, do place? I have to get it too? I'm oh not getting God. desert golfing. Oh, I want it. I can't. Oh, I'm so excited. But you have to play Danganronpa. You have to find someone that has a Vita. 
So we can talk about that because okay. I'm telling you right okay. now, I will I'm advocate the frack out of that for Game okay. of the Year. Okay. If none of you guys have played it, like I'm going to have to filibuster. It's going to okay. be a really awkward <laughs> show. That's so cute. I would love to hear Steve, even if you hate a game. I actually would love to know why. That's cool to me. Well, I will try to find oh. a. Well, well, I'm about to talk about Disney Infinity 2.0, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're going to hear that. Go, go, go. Okay. Oh, Steve, Disney 2.0. I played this, too. This is really good. Okay. If you say so. Okay, so I, I love think... I when you two fight, both fight. don't agree on one, because I'm always intrigued. So, I... Well, you say what you thought, and then I'll say. Both of you say it at the same time. Cover yeah. your ears. <laughs> well, Sorry, no, don't, don't, don't we'll do go, One of us will go into the listening booth behind behind <laughs> the scenes. Just kidding. There's no way you guys could bias each other. That never happens on yeah. the show. You disagree um, Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen. We're so fine. I, we, so we went to see <laughs> Big Hero 6 this weekend with the kids, which, by the way, I know my opinion for movies doesn't count for anything at this point. No, But nothing. it was it was really good. What okay. movie was it again? Big Hero 6, the new Disney superhero movie. Oh, I will be going to see it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. Out. So uh, they were having a sale on the figures, so we kind of sort of dropped $50 on figures this weekend. Um, because, well, we were already planning on getting Merida and Groot, like I talked about last week, and then it was just me and my wife and, and Maureen's like, yeah, I kind of want Baymax, and they're two for 24, so we may as well get Hero too, so it's okay, fine. So we got Baymax and Hero, and so, but the problem is that and I'm kind of half of this is just coming from a perspective of playing with kids. And I still don't think it's a good game for younger kids. Cause I think that my, my daughter was having a really hard time. It, it's kind of expects that you've played a third person action game before. Mm. And I think that that's like a level above where she is right now. Like, Can I agree with that? Because yeah. Frank was trying to play it and just was failing <laughs> yeah. at that game completely. And yeah. I, I'm not saying that to be pejorative. Right, no. It's, um, it's, yeah. a, it's a hardcore game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not it, hardcore, yeah. but it is, it's challenging. It expects a level of experience. That's yeah. a certain level of sophistication that surprised me from a product that's supposed to be playable by children. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I would go so far as to say... It's a design flaw. I think yeah, this game is too hard. Yeah. So I, I think that it's the problem is that it's design. It seems like it's designed for someone who's like 10, 11, 12, but the aesthetic is for somebody who's six, seven, eight. And that, and there's like a disconnect there because mm -hmm. I mean, and the kids can play it, but they were, so we gave it to the younger one last night and it's just like, they're, they're playing, but they get stuck and then they can't figure out how to get out of it. And then they have to hand us the, the controller to get them out of it and then they get stuck again and the other problem that i have with it is i didn't get any of the play sets so i know you got the guardians of the galaxy play set which yep. will give you a bit of a different experience i've only been playing with the toy box characters so the way that it works is that some of the some of the characters come with like this piece that you put on the thing on the the base and then that kind of opens up a world that's actually like a self-contained game so the guardians of the galaxy one comes with two figures and the guardians of the galaxy piece for an actual game the the other ones like baymax and hero are toy box characters so they're only available using the toy box mode where you can kind of make your own things and i think that the problem that we have with that is that we keep downloading these toy box worlds that they have available and they're just empty they're like, we got a San Francisco, which is the, t the city that Big Hero 6 takes place in because the kids are, like, obsessed now, which is fine because it's awesome. And we're just flying around, but there's nothing to do. 
it's like a really great it's like Minecraft almost where it's like it's really great recreation of this city but there's nothing to do there so we're just kind of flying around it's like okay well here's the bridge and let's fly on the bridge and then we kind of beat each other up for a little bit and then that was it so I mean, maybe it's a matter of that I need to know, like, supposedly you can make actual full games in this thing, and maybe it's a matter that I'm just not downloading the right the right worlds or whatever, and I need to, like, get a guide to find something that actually has some interactivity, but every time we go in there, it's just kind of like, oh, well, here's this pretty world that we can walk around in, but we're not actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I am interested in how the Guardians of the Galaxy playset went. Well, um, I'd say I think Disney 2.0 is a, a massive step up from the first one. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of a, a, a UI freak, and I was shocked by how crappy uh, and confusing the interface was for the first Disney Infinity. Yep. Um, it is very confusing to know where to go, how to get to toy box mode, how to get to adventure content. Um, you know, even the wheels as you're selecting objects, it, it just sucks. There's, there's not a nice way to say it. So I was really, really, really pleasantly surprised to boot up Disney 2.0 and to see it's much more logical with all of that. I've also had downloading, downloading toy box content. I've also found it to be buggy, uh, the ones I've downloaded, that said, I think the core use of the figures makes me feel way less ripped off this time because they have this really, really cool mechanic. So uh, let's say I have an Elsa from Disney 2.0 and uh, Steve's daughter has an Elsa. Well, those Elsas are going to be different now because they have a, um, a, a skill tree. Yeah, I did, I did notice that. Yeah, that you, you build up, and it's really interesting. You can only respec your character twice uh, at levels 10 and 20. So you kind of have to design how you're going to like choose your character to fight with, um, which I think is a fantastic fantastic. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm getting more value for, you know, what I'm paying for. Um, I feel like there's better polish all the way around the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, playset. The attention to detail with um, explosions and, and just, just all around, like colors and, you know, level design, all of that. There's an added level of sophistication, though I really do agree with you, Steve. It's it's just too complicated for yeah. for many people. Yeah, I can't um, I can't recommend it as a parent for for younger kids. I can't I, absolutely can't. I, I I can't play it with Frank because it just pisses him off, and <laughs> yeah. we we end up with the I I'm not trying to demean my husband. He's just it's it's my he's husband. Not, is a, he doesn't he doesn't have the level of skill that you do. He's then, yeah. Frank is really good at some games, and like Frank is one of the best players in the entire world at Peggle. He is amazing at Gears of War 3. He told me a story about playing Gears of War 3 that yeah. did blow my mind. He's really so good. I think because he knew that that was how he could impress me. Right. So he, he pulled me aside and he was like, listen, Maddie, I got some more stories for you. <laughs> right. Great, right. right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But he's not, he doesn't understand. He, like, I have to sit there and go, well, Frank, here's this indicator. This means go here. And it, he doesn't pick that stuff up naturally. And he's just very confused by this. So I think, I don't know. I, I just, I actually, I think even me as a sophisticated gamer, I don't want a game that's as hard as this yeah. when I'm playing kind of and just relaxing. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a little stressful. I don't know. I, I think it's a step up. 
I think it's a money printing machine for Disney. Uh, I would like to go back in time and ask Steve not to send me the email to get me started <laughs> on this that dark road. Like, hey, Bree, look, there's a deal for yeah. Walmart. Look at all this money you'll save if you buy Disney Infinity. At, le- at least the figures. At least the figures are well done and they look nice on a shelf. At least, yeah. But yeah. well, actually, something I'm doing this time, Steve, is uh, I'm not registering them so I can give them to your daughters oh, after well, I get you. done because it's like. I don't, I don't you don't want them around the house well it's like if they're gonna get joy from them i mean yeah. i don't care i've got more games i can play they so, actually just sit yeah. in a box unless we're actually playing the game <laughs> well they, there they, you we go. never take them out unless they're they're for playing the game and that's it and other that other hmm. that that they're in a big tupperware box well that's awesome after we get done with guardians of the galaxy i'll give that to you at thanksgiving oh, well, thank or you. whatever so so should we uh i think we should probably wrap up right we're only we're only like, like an hour two and forty five minutes in. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. We've only done two hours. Whatever. So uh, as always, you can find the show notes for the show and every show at five by five TV slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can send us email feedback via email, and we got some fantastic emails. We don't have time to read them on the show today, Amazing. but we do read them all, all and them. a lot of them were fantastic. So thank you mm-hmm. so much for those. Um, you can send those to feedback at isometricshow.com. Uh, we also do love your reviews that you leave for us on iTunes, and please keep doing that. That helps the show out a lot, and we love reading those. And as always, you can follow the sh- follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show's account at Isometric Show, and you can follow all of us individually. I am at Wicked Good. Bree, where can people find you? Just look for the drums. If there's drums online, I'm there. <laughs> okay, where specifically should they look for the drums? Base Cat Gal. All right, and Maddie, where can people find you? I am Samus Clone on Twitter. And Georgia? Georgia underscore Dow. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Dow, crack like a 